Secret Lowdown. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Nonprofit Lowdown with me, your host, Rhea Wong. Today, my guest is Adi Klebit, who is the founder of Business Success Consulting. And today, we're going to talk about systems and processes because Adi is focused on systematizing your business. And we know, especially for nonprofits, this is super important. I mean, for all businesses, of course, but with small nonprofits, that's a particular pain point. So, Adi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Rhea. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and have this conversation. I think it's going to be really fun. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Because it's actually a really interesting kind of niche that honestly, I never really thought about. But once I learned more about you, I was like, duh, obviously this exists. So tell me a bit more about yourself and your company. Absolutely. So my background is industrial engineering. That's how I got started over 25 years ago. And I was working for an industrial engineering consulting company and we were doing projects in big companies. Now, industrial engineering, we basically, we deal with systematizing production lines and databases, systematizing data, analyzing, etc. My passion is to help people and to help them by putting order and systems and organization So that was a natural progression for me when I decided to open my own business to specialize in that area. So basically, I like to say that we organize, we put order, and we systematize. Now, sometimes people think we're not professional organizers. So yeah, I like organization, but that's not what I do. (laughs) That's not what we do. We basically systematize the business. We put infrastructure and systems in place. So companies can grow and scale and also any organization, nonprofit, for-profit can grow and scale and be able to continue, you know, to duplicate themselves. So there is continuity. Are you a Virgo by chance? This seems like a very Virgo. Scorpio. Really? Huh. Yes, right. My birthday is in 10 days, 12. <laughs> Happy birthday. Some of my favorite people are Scorpios. My husband's a Scorpio. My husband too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Double Scorpio house. Okay. This is a side right. conversation we'll have to have. Um, so one of the things that I like to think about, obviously, is the nonprofit world. And I think that a lot of nonprofits, especially smaller nonprofits, really suffer when people leave the organization and they take all of the knowledge and all of the procedures with them. So can you tell us precisely what it is that you do for organizations and how you do it? Sure. So I'm going to share some of my process as we talk, because my purpose for this call, Zuri and I were talking, is really to empower our listeners so they can take action today. They can find something that they can do today in order to start on this journey of systematization and process documentation. But specifically to what we do is when we engage with a company, the first thing that we do is we find what is the area that they need the most help with in terms of like, where do we start? Because otherwise it becomes a very overwhelming task. So we identify the place where to start that is basically the biggest pain point. So it might be that they have an employee that is about to retire and have all the knowledge and they need the knowledge transfer. Or it might be that it's an area that is causing them pain to lose customers or to lose clients or whatever it is, we need to systematize it so they stop that, right? So we identify the area first. Then we go through a process of 
getting the knowledge in order to document those processes and procedures. And I'm gonna give you some tips on how to do that as we progress in our conversation, but that's basically when we do it, I will tell, give you tips on how to do it yourself. When we do it, we basically take it from you, we interview, we record videos, we observe, we do all of that so then we can document the processes and procedures and we deliver to you a manual of processes and procedures. Nowadays, it's all cloud-based. Somebody wants it on a piece of paper, we can definitely do that. But it's usually electronic manual. And we train the staff and the executives and the leadership team on how to make sure it is followed by all. Because that is key. It has to be followed by all because otherwise it's just another manual, the shelf, or as one of my clients termed it, like it accumulates electronic dust nowadays. It's not real dust, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the documentation, the implementation, and in between, we also do the process optimization. So we document the existing situation, and then with the help of, I mean, it's a collaborative approach, we figure out what can be improved and what can be optimized and how to improve the existing processes for increased productivity and profitability. It's so interesting because I definitely see your engineering mind at work behind all of this. So I talk to a lot of executive directors and they all go, oh, system, system, systems. But actually, I think that people have different definitions when they say the word system. So can you talk to me about what do you mean when you say systems and what are a couple of the key systems that you think every nonprofit, every business should have? Good question. So systems are basically something that you have basically a structure or an organization method that can be repeated, right? So we have a system, for instance, we take a receptionist and the receptionist has to take a message. So he or she will take a message in a certain way. If we put a system on how to take down messages, the system will be, for instance, that they will have, let's say, old-fashioned, you know, a piece of paper next to them, right? Like a pad of notes to take messages. Then we tell them, okay, you write the name of the person, their phone number. You ask in a certain way, you ask, you know, how can I help you? I mean, is there anything else that we need to ask? Whatever the way of your way of taking down messages and then take that piece of paper and put it on somebody's desk or send an email or whatever it is, however you want that message to arrive, that is a system because it is basically a process on how you take messages, right? So that would be, it's a very simplistic example, but that is a system. We all have systems on how we do things, right? If you, and that is a great exercise to do. When you make breakfast or make your coffee in the morning, you have a system on how to do that, right? You don't do it in a different way every single day. I mean, at least I don't. I mean, I don't know about you, Ria, but you know, we have a system, right? We have a system. We kind of like get accustomed to the system. So like when we go to the grocery store, we have a system, right? I mean, you know, I always start with the fruits and vegetables and then with the fresh produce. It's just like I move through the aisles. I have a system on how to do that. And it's not necessarily something that I think about it ahead of time, but it's something that we got into the habit of doing. So we have at work, we have systems on how to do things, right? We sign up a new client, that's a system, right? Or whatever our organization does, but let's say we do fundraising, we have a system on how to do that, right? I mean, you will have a system on how you get the names, you have a system on how you approach it. Now, what happens is when you don't have it documented, it might look like every single time you're doing something else. 
and you might not do it in the right order. Or let's say you set up and ask, you know, a fundraising interview for one of your donors and you show up and you remember that you forgot to bring the new presentation that you wanted to present to them. Okay, but you still have the system that you want to present it to them, but now because you don't have it documented or established, that system is not in a certain order. But that's, when we mean systems, we mean basically something that it's a step-by-step actions that can be repeated and agreed upon by everyone in the group. So then you execute them for a specific result. Now, Adi, can we understand system, process, and procedure as the same things or are those different things? So here is how I define them. A process is part of a system. You can have a system on how you advertise. So there can be a process on how you will put the advertising or the marketing together, but you have a system for advertising, right? And part of your system can include having a marketing director. That's a system because you're systematizing it. You have an orderly way of doing something that it can be repeated and known to everyone. A process will be the step-by-step, basically, how to get from point A. You define point A, you define point B. It's like a relay race, right? Something enters into that particular process at point A, you make these changes, and then it gets out again on point B. A procedure will be a step-by-step actions that you take in order to execute a part of a process. So think about it that way. Let's say, for instance, you have a process on getting to an appointment, right? So there is a procedure on how you grab your purse, you know, put everything there, you make sure that, you know, you have your presentation, you have everything there. That's one procedure to get ready to get out of the house, right? You then go into your car and you get settled, you turn on the car, you know, you start driving, that's a procedure. Turn on the GPS and the GPS leads you to this step-by-step instructions on how to get to the place, a procedure. Get out of the car, you make sure you are on time, you present the first introduction, Etc. another procedure. So those together comprise the process of getting out of your house to the first part of your appointment. That's a process. You have a procedure in between. So when I say systems, like systematize the business is creating that infrastructure, creating that system. A process is part of a system. A procedure is part of a process. Oh, that's so good. I've never had anyone explain it to me that way before because I feel like a lot of times people use these terms intermittently. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you feel like some key basic processes or systems that every company should have. Okay. So what is the common denominator between companies, right? Or between organizations? So what an organization has to have, they have to have people. Even if you're just managing yourself, but it's usually, especially when we talk about nonprofits, you have the volunteers, you have the board of directors, you know, you have people. So therefore, One of the systems that you have is HR, is human resource. However you want to call it, but it's basically the people department. It's the human resources. It's the, how do you manage your human capital, right? In terms of like, how do you manage your employees? How do you manage your board? How do you interact with the board? How do you manage your volunteers? You know, all of that, that's part of the systems that you have as a human resource. So that's definitely you have to have. Now, you have to acquire customers, clients, people you serve, whatever you call them, but those are basically the recipients of whatever service you're providing or whatever goods you're providing. You have to have a way to attract them, to make yourself known. The way you do that is by 
advertising, by marketing, right? By promotion and by sales. So you can say, well, I'm a nonprofit. I'm not selling. Of course, you're not selling, but you have to somehow sign people up. Even if you are providing a service for free, let's say, for instance, you have a mobile clinic and you do COVID testing, let's say. Okay, fine. So and let's say you're doing it for the community without charging. So you're not selling, but you're still selling because you're selling, but not for an exchange of necessarily money, but you are selling so people will come to you and actually get the service, especially when you're very convinced that what you're doing is very important, but then your public doesn't necessarily see it as important, right? So let's say, for instance, you have a nonprofit as a dentistry and you're going out and to the community and you want to make sure that everybody has good oral health. It's not necessarily that people are going to start lining up in front of your clinic, right? You have to promote yourself to the community so they will know, right? You will need, let's say, educate the parents that they should bring their kids to see you because I don't think the kids are going to go and, and line up to go see a dentist. Although it's, let's say you are volunteering and you want to help, but you understand what I mean? You have to have some kind of a marketing or a selling of your services to show why you are helping so they will come in and see you because otherwise you won't accomplish your purpose. So that has, you have to have a system on how to reach out and how to sell. We all have to deal with finances, whether it's for-profit or non-profit, you still have to have financial reports, you have to have good bookkeeping, you have accounts payable, you have accounts receivable, you know, whatever it is, you have to have very good records and that, so that will be finance. So we need to have definitely a good system for finance. Then you have whatever you're doing. If you are a doctor, if you are a nonprofit, if you are a manufacturer, you, there are things that you are actually delivering and doing, and we need to have processes well documented for that. Some of the examples of the pillars you have to have. Yeah. So it sounds like just to recap, there are sort of HR processes, finance processes, sales mechanisms. In my world, I would translate that maybe to fundraising, like how do we get donors? And then there might be like a programmatic piece around, you know, how do we deliver the services? Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. So you have to translate to what you're doing, but those are, and the other aspects as well, but those are some of the main ones that, you know, exist in every organization. Got it. So to switch tax a little bit, because this is a little bit different than process documentation, but I'm really thinking about how do you get the information that often lives in people's heads? And again, to go back to my first question, this is usually acutely felt when someone leaves the organization and you're like, oh, wait, but Bob was the one who knew how to do this thing and now he's gone and we don't know how to do it. So how do you really facilitate that process? So, you know, the first thing that we do is we need to get a buy-in from the people we work with. We work in a collaborative approach. I'm not here to interrogate or to threaten, okay, well, now you're going to give me all your information. Now you, now it's, we're going to get you fired or, you know, or it's your secret sauce or whatnot. We really work in a collaborative approach. And it's really important because we want people to feel safe that it's okay if they're documenting their processes and procedures and the way that they're doing things, it's not all of a sudden they're replaceable, Right. It is just to continue so there is continuity so the person can expand and grow. And if there is an opportunity for them to move on either to another organization or inside the organization, it's easy to do. It's just, it's empowering, right? So we have to look at it first of all from the mindset is that doing that knowledge transfer, it's really an empowering action. And we don't always look at it like that, but that's where the mindset comes in of this is an empowering action and that's what we're doing. 
And then we need to find a why, like why do that, right? Because documenting processes and getting the knowledge can be tedious. I acknowledge that. It's not like the most exciting things, you know, when I go into an organization, they go, yes, we are going to document our processes and systems. We were like waiting for you. We are excited, right? I mean, some of them are, yes, but some of them are not. And especially the more creative people, they feel like, oh, now processes and systems, now we're going to lose our creativity. But you're not really, because all you're doing is just you're creating that avenue and then you can have more freedom around it to do what you're really good at. So the first thing is to basically get the buy-in. So you are like, have your why of why you're doing this, right? So maybe the why would be because you are an executive director, a super busy executive director, and you have a great opportunity to expand your organization, but you're already working 60 hours a week or 80 or 90. And when are you going to find more time? You need another 20 hours in order to actually incorporate this new opportunity. Okay, well, we have to buy you time. The way we buy you time is by documenting and then giving you that and passing it to somebody else, right? I just wanted to make that introduction before I'm now answering your question about like, how do we get it out we work with individuals in terms of like learning the method of seeing things, what they feel the most comfortable with. So after you establish that, you know, you make it empowering, you get the buy-in, you understand their why, then we really understand what is the best method. Some people love to make videos and explain everything in a video, say, make the videos, explain it, and we take it and we extract basically the procedures out of it. So we write the procedures based on the videos. Some people, they just want to type it. Great. Go ahead and do that, right? some people don't feel comfortable recording or listening to themselves, it's totally okay. We meet you where you're at. We have best practices and we'll recommend it, but there is a way to get the knowledge out of everyone. And some people don't have, they're not thinking linearly, right? They like to bounce different ideas and sometimes they feel themselves also like they're all over the place and how am I ever going to figure out uh, the common denominator everything that I do is so different. Every day is different. I don't know how to systematize it. And that's okay because we deal with it every single day when people tell us it's different. You know, what I do is different. We can't systematize it. There is no way. So we then conduct more thorough interviews and we have the way, I mean, this is our superpower, if you would, to actually extract that data in a way that then we can create a processes and a procedures that lead up to a process. So we've done it over and over again. We work with hundreds and hundreds of companies. I worked with my own company. And before that, I was like working in another consulting company. I also had two companies of my own. It can be done and it's being done over and over again, but we have to really work with the people in front of us and what, how they think and what is their connection to how easy it comes for, for them to actually document processes and procedures. So I just have a fun question that I'm wondering about because I think a lot about founders and I'm just wondering... Have you noticed that it's harder to do this process with founders versus with other leaders? Because I think founders, they're so connected to the actual work of it that it can be hard to get them to think about it in a bigger way. Absolutely. It's a great question. And I'll give you an example. I was working with a founder and it was really hard to extract the knowledge because a lot of what that person was doing was connected to his personality, right? So he was like the rainmaker. And he was bringing business left and right. And when he started a new enterprise and then he wanted to pass this one to a managing director, a general manager, but the general manager was not doing as well. 
because the owner was like the magnetic personality and the, all the connections and he just knew what to say at the right time at the right place and but there was how we're going to document that right because when i was talking to him you know, I go, Frank, what do you say? Well, I don't know. I don't know how to create that particular script. I just say it. But it was fascinating, Ria. It was amazing to actually be able to build. What we needed to do here is actually build the process first with him. Okay, how do you do business development? Walk me through. And him and I figured out the common denominator of how we actually build does the business development. And then we were able to document it and pass it on. And the general manager did really well. But in the beginning, it looked like, okay, just your personality. What do you do? You know, and I experienced it myself as well. You know, I have a team of consultants that work with me. You know, I have an executive assistant. I have a marketing person. In the beginning, it was only me. So I wear all the hats and I know how to do things. It's me. I don't know how to explain it. And I had to go through the process myself. And I had to go it several times with different companies I managed or worked for or had because the only way that I can move on and expand and do better is if I actually figure out what is that hat that I'm wearing, what are the key actions, then how to pass it to somebody else. But having that also confidence and trust in somebody else that they can do it. And that's a topic, a different topic, but it's basically that that documentation and that ability to systematize that is so important. And again, it's the mindset that it can be done. You just have to decide it can be done. And every time you have a thought, oh no, you know, it's too complicated. I can't write it. Well, if you can't do it, then it's impossible that something is not right. Everything can be written and it can be systematized. Oh, I love that. Everything can be systematized because actually this is a lot of what I think about because sometimes, especially in the nonprofit field, we really depend on like the personality of somebody, you know, who can be charismatic and bring in money, but that isn't obviously a scalable system. That's true. I mean, you know, I would say to that, you, know, you do have to have the right people in the right seat, right? So if you take somebody who's an introvert, doesn't like to talk to people, only wants to do paperwork and you try to make him a fundraiser, it's not going to work because you do have to have a skill set, right? But what he does when you actually systematize it, you can take somebody who is charismatic, has great communication skills, love people, and most importantly, nonprofit believes in your cause because you have to have somebody that really is their passion. You know, mm -hmm. what you do, it is they're passionate about. And then if you have a system, you can train them how to be a fundraiser, right? So what you're doing is you are basically able to take the skill set that is so necessary in a fundraiser and you can teach them how to do it so then they can be a successful fundraiser as opposed to having to find that amazing superstar fundraiser that has the charisma, has the people skills, is passionate about what you do and also knows how to fundraise, right? right so right. what we do is we allow more people to excel in some area that they might not think that they can do because nowadays you can train them, but it also opens the opportunities to actually find, to make homegrown superstars. I love it. So we don't even need to find magical unicorns. We can actually grow magical unicorns. That's right. That's what we do. We farm the unicorns. Unicorn breeding farm. Okay. So Adi, let's get down to brass tacks. What are some of your favorite tools that you could recommend to people? Okay. Some of my favorite tools are a process documentation platform. So I like to use a sweet process. Ray, if you want me to, I can give you the link and people can sign up for a free trial. 
And I highly recommend that system because it's very easy to use. It's cloud-based. It has the processes and procedures, you know, you document it right there and you can upload videos, you can upload screenshots, you can upload documents. So that's another thing is like when you write your processes and procedures, don't make them dry, like make them alive, you know, use all the ways of learning, visual videos, read and write. Yeah. So write a procedure audio. So that would be in the video when you hear and visual can be also the screenshots, right? So kinesthetic, we like to touch things we like to do. So put the forms there so people can download and look at it and actually try that, right? So definitely this is a great system and I'll give you the link and you can give it to all of our listeners. So that's a great system that I like. I like recording videos. So I use Loom, L-O-O-M, Loom.com, Screencastify is great. You can have a Google extension and you can just use it. So recording is super because when you record, you basically bypass that. I don't have the time to do it or I have to sit down and think about it. That's where people get bogged down in actually starting to write those processes and procedures. They feel like they have to have that special moment, that special time. And that time never comes. You have other things that come on. And even if you schedule it on your calendar, which is one of my favorite tools, it's just block time on the calendar. You know, if you have a big donor is calling you or you have an emergency or you have this or you have that, you're going to go attend to it first, right? So there is never a good time. So what I recommend to do is have one of those video tools and the next time you're doing something. So let's say you're sitting down to write a grant. Okay. So record yourself. And as you're writing, you basically explain what you're doing and then either find somebody that can then transcribe it for you or just have it as a video. So that video is you're going to be in better shape of actually knowing, teaching somebody how to start a grant than not having that. Right. So it's a step forward. But so anyway, so put it in a place where you know where it's at and label it correctly. Right. That's a great start. So I love those tools. Absolutely. And one of the key tools that I use in order to stay organized and do a lot and accomplish a lot is a task management system. So it's either something like Asana or Monday.com or any of the Microsoft tools that you use, like Teams, whatever you want to use, those are amazing tools to get organized, you know, and this is a different talk. I have a whole talk about productivity tools because I love productivity tools, but I'm just touching it a little bit of the task management system because you can use that as well to organize your process documentation project. Got it. For the busy executive who's listening to this right now, like, Adi, okay, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. This sounds great. What do I do to get started? Because it just seems so overwhelming to me and I have a small staff and I have a million things to do. What are some things that I can do to get started today? Okay, so the first thing is I want you to listen to this question and answer this question for yourself. So right now when you're listening to me. So my question is, what area of your organization, if you had well-documented processes and procedures, would get you the biggest return on investment? Now, when I say return on investment, it's not necessarily money. It can be the time, like we talked about. You want another 10 hours in your week? that's a return on investment, right? Retaining a good employee, that's a return on investment. So whatever your return on investment is, what area of your organization, if you had well-documented processes and procedures, will get you the biggest return on investment, right? Or another way of asking the question is, what area of your organization 
do you need to bring order to? Right? So I'm asking the question. I'll give you a minute to think about it and write it down. Write that down. Write that area. What is that area? So Ria, what is that area for you? It would probably be business development. Good. So let's take business development. So we have that area. So now just think about that area, not about an entire organization. This is the area you're going to start with. Mm-hmm. And that is how to cut through the overwhelm and the magnitude of the task in front of you is to identify that this is the area you're going to start with, right? Mm-hmm. And then I will take it a step further. I will say in the area of business development, what are the key ingredients that if you had in place, you will be able to get the biggest return on investment or what in the area of business development do you need to bring order to? And then list it, right? I mean, make a list. Okay, those, that is the area. Mm-hmm. Good. So now prioritize it, all right? So let's say like in the area of business development, I need to do this, this, and that, A, B, and C, right? All right, so what's number one priority, second, and third? So just make a circle, make a, I mean, I like to scribble, I don't know about you. I mean, I always have pieces of paper. I like to write and circle and all of that. So just write down one, two, three, and circle them or do whatever you wanna like to do, write them on the computer, wherever you want. Just have that in front of you. That's your plan. You know, we don't have to make it more complicated than that. This is your plan. So this is the area and those are the procedures we're going to do because we're going for a win here. We're not going for like an overwhelm, another loss. Yeah, I decided five years ago, I'm going to do it. Five years went by and I didn't do anything, right? So we have now the area. So now look at the list and ask yourself, who will be the best person to document those? It might be yourself, but think outside the box. You know, think about, If you have staff, who would you like to clone? Like, who is the best person that can do that? I mean, even if you have independent contractors and they do some of it, that's fine. Just engage them for, you know, see if they will be willing to engage in another opportunity for for documenting it and writing it so there could be a collaboration, right? So the next step is you figure out next to it, write the name of who is going to do it. And if it's your name, it's your name. If it's somebody else's name, fine. So just write it down. Now we're going into a little bit of organization, so we need to do it. So now ask yourself, when you look at that list, ask yourself, how am I going to do that? Am I going to video myself doing it? Am I going to actually sit down and type it? So how are we going to do that? And write it down, write the method. If you decide that you're going to video yourself, good. So take a look at your calendar and see when is the next time that that particular activity is going to happen. So let's say, for instance, my area is business development, just like Ria's, and I wrote down that my topics and one of my key topics is basically in business development, I want to organize, I need to have a process on how to do a first meeting with a prospect, right? So that is a way that, you know, I want to systematize it because what happens is that I get caught up in, in whatever I'm doing and then I forget to ask questions and it's not always, you know, as effective. I want to systematize it. Good. So look at your calendar and see when is the next time you have a first prospect meeting. So it's either you're going to record it or you're going to do in preparation for it. So put basically the night before an hour because you now you have in mind the first meeting with that particular prospect. You are going to sit down and actually systematize. You're going to write down what questions you're going to ask them. And you're going to record yourself of how you prepare yourself for the first meeting with the prospect. Good. So you've done it. Great. Well done. So now we have to figure out how you're going to celebrate it. So a little bit acknowledgement is always good. Always celebrate those little wins. So now we got that done. So that's done check it off the list, cross it off the list, right? After you do that, you move to the next one and just do that and slowly 
but surely you're going to get to the place where you have your systems well documented. And then it will become, you have to make it contagious with your staff, right? So you have them do the same, play the video for them or have them do the same exercise. And each one does one a week, you know, mm -hmm. of that, from that particular list. And you're going to start accumulating that knowledge and use a system like Sweet Process or your own system or whatever you want to use and use it in order to put, it's a repository where you actually put all those processes that you are writing, all those procedures you are writing, so it's in a central location. That is my advice on how to get started. So I try to break it down to very doable steps, and it works. Mm -hmm. It works every single time, but also, again, remember your why. Right. Remember how it's empowering you. When you have that, that's how you do it. So I actually have a question coming in from Emily, who I know is a big systems and process person. So Emily, do you want to ask? Hi, Rian. Hi, Adi. Thank you so much for this topic today. So I was just wondering, I know that documentation and processes are, are a long-term journey. You know, There's no end point necessarily, but I was wondering if you could talk on just sort of for different needs, how long it takes to get things started to get the systems in place and then let them run a while like uh, do you have any examples especially you know in the nonprofit world around how you know how long that might take for different needs absolutely so the answer as you can imagine it depends it depends on the size it depends on the complexity but what is like the answer that i can tell you as a common denominator is you have to start from the top level you know i would not recommend going down to the weeds because you can get stuck there and then it can take years and I can give you examples, you know, on that. So what I would do is I would basically take a look, I mean, ask the question that I asked and then identify, that's why I said identify the three ones, you know, the key ones, like what are the key processes that drive like 80% of your activities? Those are the ones that need to be documented and do that across and then go across the organization using this method of what area do you need to bring order to? What are the things that we need to fix? What are the pain points? And as you move along, then you'll see that you'll have more a habit of getting into it. So people will start documenting their own processes and procedures, and it will basically spread, right? And then even if you don't have that many staff, let's say you only have, you know, I work with a nonprofit, they have like five staff. And some of you might be smaller, some of you bigger, but it doesn't matter because if you are in the habit, if you get into the habit of doing it, you will start documenting the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so long as you have a place where to put it in, it's not going to get lost and you have to make sure it keeps organized. So I know that completely answer your question, but it's hard to say because I've seen, let's say, for instance, we're talking about a fundraising process, probably will take me about two months to document. And the reason why I say two months is because I never try to stop somebody from doing what they're doing. I know you all have your day jobs and even more. So we have to incorporate it into a 40 to 60 hour week. If we can take a couple of hours a week to document, let's say the fundraising process, within two to three months, we'll have it done, including running it by the leadership team, improving it, and put it into use. So to build off of that, Adi, once yeah. you document the process, what is the process or the revisiting or the iteration of the processes? Because it's like, if we do all this work to get everything documented, and then what? Like, who's looking at it? How often are they looking at it? How do we iterate to make sure that the processes are fresh? 
Good, good question. So it really depends on the type of organization and your maturity level, because some of them, like if you're just starting and you're building those processes, starting in terms of not studying in documentation, but starting the organization, right? And you don't have, you're changing more often than not. I mean, there is change. I would I suggest revisiting those processes and procedures on a quarterly basis. If you're a well-established organization and you're documenting what you have and increasing the productivity, I would say every six or 12 months, but definitely no more than 12. Don't wait longer than 12 months, right? So you have to have schedule it on the calendar and review. And the way you do it is you have everyone read those processes and procedures, sign off again that they read it and suggest, make any suggestions but also how to implement it. So once you write, the first time you wrote that those processes and procedures, let's take the fundraising department. So you wrote the processes and procedures. So now what I would suggest is to actually have a weekly meeting, depends how often you have your fundraising interviews, but let's say you work on it during the week, you know, you have several of those. Then I would suggest to have a meeting, let's say every Monday morning, and go over what worked in the fundraising department last week and what didn't. And what didn't, then you go, okay, so that's an issue we need to look at. What didn't work? And then you identify why it didn't work, because it always either people or processes. So if it is a process, then we take a look, okay, we just wrote the processes. So was the process not followed or is the process incomplete? If it's incomplete, what do we need to do to make it complete? If it's not followed, why? I mean, was it hard to follow? Was it just unknown? How can we fix it? So if you do that for a course of about six weeks after you finish documenting, you will make it into a habit and people will start thinking with it. So whenever something is not going according to what it's supposed to be going, they will know to resort to look at the actual processes and procedures. And also that brings me to another point is that you definitely need to tie your scorecard to your process, right? Because that's how you measure if it's successful or not. Because we can do, we can make like beautiful processes, but you're measuring your statistics and they're not going up or they're going down or something, you know, it's not correlating or your scorecard doesn't correlate to all the work that you've done. Something is not right. And that's where you have to dig in and see what's happening. And would you recommend also putting process documentation on individual employee scorecards, as in, you know, they're going to be evaluated at the end of the year relative to this particular responsibility? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You know, because we have, once we have the processes and procedures documented, then we can have the alignment of the the own individual scorecards. Yes, absolutely. So let's say you take a receptionist, you know, they will have, or the front desk or whomever is in your, the entrance to your organization, the basically the new client or the new customer or the new patient intake. We have certain processes and procedures. Now we, the, the scorecard will be something that has to do with retention or with appointment book that is fully booked or with number of reaches or appointments or if the new clients or new patients or new customers that you got or whatever your area is. So that will be part of the scorecard because if they do the procedure correctly, we should have more coming in. Got it. We actually have another question coming in from Emily. And I think this might be our last question. Emily? 
What do you have for us? Yeah, sorry. Um, it's just making me think about topics been coming up in my circles around how to embed the documentation within the process itself. So instead of having to go to like Google Drive or Jira or wherever else it's being kept, using a system like WalkMe that does little pop-ups within your website or your system or just other ways to kind of embed it in the process. Absolutely. And there are systems and I will be happy to feel free to email me and I do free consultations and I will be able to answer any question. And I can also give you some examples of systems that I like to use because that is absolutely correct, Emily. That is a key key ingredient in successful process documentation is that you make it accessible and that you make it so everybody can access it easily and not start try to figure it out, find it in Google Docs or in OneDrive or whatnot, because it doesn't work. You know, you have to make sure that people can search easily, that it looks nice, that you can upload the videos right there. And it, it also integrates with whatever system you're working on so you can have the instructions right there. So I definitely highly recommend that. And that is part of my productivity tools talk, but I'm going to touch a little bit on that. So we have different productivity tools. And in this case, we have the document management system, which would be like the Google Drive or the OneDrive or the SharePoint or the Dropbox. That's where you drop your documents. That's where you store your documents. But then you have the process documentation platform, and it's not the same thing. The process documentation platform, it's basically like a manual that you are opening, but online, right? So there has to be great search ability. So you can search by keywords. You can search by words. Like the system that I use, I can put a word and it will show me all the procedures where that word appears, right? It has to have a good indexing, a good tagging, also a good way to follow who read the procedure when. So it's basically the accountability part. So signing off on a procedure, how often, you know, assigning the task to actually sign off on a procedure, et cetera. So that's the process documentation system as opposed to the document management system, two different things. So that's why when I, when I talk about productivity tools, I really differentiate between each one because you can be super productive if you really understand the task purpose of each one and how they integrate and you don't mix one with another because then it can create confusion and it creates more work as opposed to less work. I do. I'd like to touch on this briefly because yeah. one of my biggest pain points was our Google Drive. It was a mess. And it was a mess particularly because everyone had a different kind of system for organizing. So some people had subfolders and like went right. 10 deep on the subfolders. Some people had the top line folders. And then we also didn't have any codification around how people need yeah. yeah. And it just, it made, it was a nightmare because we were constantly revamping documents that I knew that we had, but no one could find them in the process. So is that something that you also recommend and help people out with? Oh, absolutely. And, and it is what you just described that's going back to the beginning. It's kind of like, what is a system? That is a system. Now, everybody has a system, just like you said, just like we have our system for making the coffee or the tea in the morning. Each person had their own system and some people maybe had multiple systems. So definitely I help organize and create a procedure or a policy, like policy is a guideline or rules against that, like in terms of like, okay, this is how we document, this is where we store, these are the types of documents that you go where, this is the name convention. And we do that, it's not one 
We interview the people that are working with it. How often do you use it? What is your system? You know, what will make it so you can find it immediately? Maybe this is not a correct system for you. Maybe you need to use another document management system or something else, right? It's very simple so people can just find it and not get annoyed. I mean, I know because I, I know how annoying it is, you know, trying to look at different folders and where is it and what's not. And I was just like, before this call, I was working with a client and he shared his Dropbox with me and I'm going like, okay, where is, you know, it took me like about 10 minutes to just find something. I still haven't found it. I have to go out on this call to find it, right? So I go like, okay, if you actually had like systematized, it's not a problem. But when it's not, it's really hard to find. It's kind of like, you know, what I do, what, it's another tip I would like to give you. It's kind of like, how do you organize? I always like to imagine or compare it, how it will be in the real world, right? How would it be before we had computers? So those are file folders, right? Just imagine having actual manila folders, like actual folders, and just start putting papers, like random papers in there. It just doesn't work. How are you going to find anything? And that's exactly what you're experiencing on the computer, right? So that's where you actually have to have like very methodical way to do it, just like you would have when you have a really well-organized filing cabinet, right? So that is what we're going for, this beautiful great organized filing cabinet with everything labeled with a label machine, right? That you can actually pull it up and it's like very easy to find and every single piece of paper is filed correctly as opposed to having all those papers just put it in and then they're, you know, and the cabinet drawer is like half broken so you can't open it and then you get frustrated about that. Just imagine that. That's the difference between one and another. Got it. So we have time for one last question coming in from Amy Carson. Amy, Sure. Hi. Thank you both so much. This is extremely helpful. I really value the point you made before about standardizing the business development process. And I am sure there is a way, I'm confident there is a way to put a system around that. Not the same thing for us. So I do outsourced accounting and bookkeeping. And a big thing for us where I think we get tripped up on, if I'm looking at my notes, I want to clone my partner. And so who does all of our new client implementations. So if I look at both of those examples, I would argue that the way that we approach each one is customized to the specific situation. And I'm sure your response to that is going to be, no, it's not. So I'm helping. I would really appreciate just some general, it feels so overwhelming and daunting. What is the best way to start? Do I look for similarities across and... That's where I'm getting tripped up. Absolutely. And, and the answer is yes, you definitely, it's unique because you created that system, right? And I think it's probably also seems unique because this is not something that I read in a book. You know, this is, we came up with it. You know, it's our unique way. This is our secret sauce, right? This is what we do, what we do. Do you mind Amy sharing with us? What do you do? What is your nonprofit? I work with nonprofits. I'm a small business. We do outsourced accounting and bookkeeping. Oh, you do? Okay, great. Yeah, I work with many accounting and bookkeeping companies and I love systematizing their business because we can systematize. I mean, there is a system you have to. So you're talking about like new client onboarding. Was that one of them that you were mentioning? So I I think it's twofold. So the first is definitely new client onboarding because every client that we work with is in a very different state, of course, uh, state of affairs once we start with them. But at the same time, also, my focus is all business development. And my approach is very different based on the situation. 
Although as that phrase comes out of my mouth, I'm sort of laughing at myself because it probably isn't. It just feels like it is. But anyway. Exactly. That's exactly right. So that's the first thing is like really talk about it and identify the similarities. And what I would do is basically like, let's say you are my client. What, I, what we will do is first of all, we're going to talk about, we're going to identify point A and point B of the business development. Like where does business development start? Where does business development end, right? And then we'll identify, it's like a funnel. like how do you enter your business development, right? So it can be from a networking group. It can be from another client. It can be from cold calling, whatever it is, you have to identify the sub items, right? For that business development to start. Okay. And then, so now we identify. So basically we have maybe like five different lanes that we're going to have to document. So how do we do business development with a networking group? How do we do business development for a referral from another client? How we do business development with cold calling? I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just giving you an example, right? Of a client I was thinking about. And then we go, okay, so let's start with one of them. Let's start with networking group. Good. So, you know, you have to start then breaking down the process. Okay. So how do you prepare for a networking meeting? What is your purpose and what do you want to get out of a networking meeting? How do you do a follow-up on it, right? What are some guidelines and best advices on the follow-up? How often do you do that? Where does the lead go? Let's say you've got a name. Where does it go? Do you have a CRM? How do you enter it into the CRM, right? How often do you touch them? What are the different ways of touching them? You know, is it via LinkedIn? Is it via a mailer? Is it via in-person? Whatever it is, right? So then you identify that particular aspect of the follow-up then maybe there is another follow-up. Okay, so now they're interested. So the first appointment. So we have to now name the different appointments you are doing. So is it just like a coffee to get to know each other? Okay, good. So what is the agenda for that? Is it more of that they have interest? Okay, good. So we create a checklist or an agenda. So it doesn't mean that every single meeting you're going to follow that checklist and it's going to be very robotic, but it's going to mean that you're going to have that so you don't forget to touch on those important aspects that need to be in so for you to also speed it up so you don't have to have another appointment because you forgot to ask right so we basically we develop that process we develop that system then we move on to onboarding how do you do that and in this process of doing that you might figure out that you know what i'm doing it every single time how about if i just record myself make a video and send it to a new client so they are prepared for the meeting so the meeting instead of taking Two hours, now it takes only 30 minutes and it also saves time for the client. So to summarize, what you do is you identify where it starts, where it ends, what enters into the process, what gets out of that, and what are the different steps in between. And as you talk about it and do it, you will see that you can do that. It's totally doable to do that. Does that answer your question, Amy? It it really does. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Adi, you have given us so much to think about. We're just about out of time. Are there any last words that you can leave our audience with? Because I think, you know, the fact that we can see it, it's possible. I think we're all excited to go documents and processes, but any last thoughts? Yeah, so my action item for those that are listening to us is decide why you want to document those processes and procedures, right? I mean, really envision right now is that if you had well-documented processes and procedures, what is the difference that it will actually make in your organization or your business, okay? So really take a minute right now and envision it. You know, I don't want it to be just a buzzword, oh, we need processes and procedures, but really for yourself, find what is the benefit and ask yourself, 
on a scale of one to 10, how badly do I want it? If you don't want it, let it go. Concentrate on other things. Yes, processes and procedures are super important, but if you are not convinced, this is not for you. If you said it's like eight, nine, 10, it's important for you, then it's like a New Year's resolution. However you do it, then decide, okay, I'm going to do it. So the way you're going to do it is figure out what is the one thing you're going to do. Even if you just record a video and it's the worst video ever recorded, start somewhere. You got to start and then it will have a ripple effect, but don't put it off. And if you need help, reach out. You don't need to become a client. I do free consultations. I, you can send me an email and ask me a question. I'll answer it. So don't be afraid to ask for help because there might be a room for that. Just like with bookkeeping, you know, it's like, don't do your own bookkeeping unless you're a bookkeeper, right? So hire somebody like Amy to do your bookkeeping. The same thing applies. Reach for help, whether me or somebody else, it doesn't matter. But if you decide to do it, stick to your decision and figure out how you can do it. Just do it. Adi, this is so great. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to include all your information in the show notes. But for those of you listening, it's Adi Clavett at Business Success Consulting. Adi, thank you so much. This has been super informative. You are very welcome. And thank you for having me here. And thank you for all of you that listened. And good luck.